You are listening to The Urban Andy Show. I'm your host, Lori Ikata. This show talks about important Native issues and highlights guests that are representing Native people in a wide variety of careers. Featured guests talk about how their Alaska Native culture impacts their work. Listen to all of the Urban Anti Show episodes on Spotify and theurbanantishow.com. Like our Facebook page and follow the Urban Anti Show on Twitter to stay up to date on future episodes. Welcome to the Urban Anti Show. This is your host, Laura Ikata. Today I'm going to be interviewing Charity Rapati to talk about what it looks like to decolonize and indigenize education. So I'll introduce myself first. Um, Laura Seuza, Dehun Danaka Hefte, Deludanitha Sezni, Ita A. Johnny Kata Bauza, Ina A. Misty Carlo Riley Bauza. Sitsu Uza, Madeline Riley, Sitsia Uza, Rocky Riley, Nulato Hatanisland, Fairbanks Lesta. My name is Laura, and my Athabascan name is Deludanith Ah, and my parents are Johnny Kata and Misty Carla Riley, and my grandparents are Madeline and Rocky Riley. I'm from Nulato, and I was raised in Minto, and I live in Fairbanks right now. I'm going to UAF. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hello, I'm Charity Ropati, and my native name is Aguvach. Um, I'm Yupik and Samoan. Um, and I like how you introduced your parents because that's what natives usually do. Um, I'm currently a junior um, at Columbia studying civil engineering and anthropology. Yeah. There, I'm also part of the Center for Native American Youth, which is like where like I mostly do my work, um, especially back home in Anchorage, where we really work to create like anti-racist curriculum in the ASD, in the public library, um, and just make these resources more accessible. But the main goal is just to make sure that, you know, Black and Native kids feel seen in what's being taught to them, and that, you know, their voices are centered when history is taught, you know, to kids in the Anchorage area. But yeah, really excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. That's great work you do. I worked with the Center for Native American Youth on their Democracy is Indigenous campaign. And oh, I, just, okay. I just pretty much told people to vote. <laughs> but it was That's like good. a short time. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. 
So uh, can you talk about your work in developing your Native-centric curriculum? Like, how did you get started in that? And how did you do it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I So I was kind of first, the, I feel like with a lot of Native kids who grew up in Alaska, especially in like urban areas, um, education, especially like secondary education, it could be pretty violent at times, um, especially in the classroom. And so, I don't know, I just feel like with, especially with me and my siblings, we kind of knew all of this, you know, was going on. Like we, these are things that we've always understood. And so like, even like, I remember like our first experiences in preschool, like we went to Head Start. So like Head Start's just an amazing, an amazing preschool, amazing program for native kids. Um, but also really thinking about just the casual racism that natives in just across Alaska face, despite like that being our land from a lot of non-native people. Um, these are things I understand as a kid because like your parents talk to you about it, but you also experience it on a day-to-day -day basis. And so um, I just didn't like it. Like I was like this, like especially in education, um, it just, I didn't like it. And so um, when I went to the Alaska Native Science and Engineering Program, um, another amazing program that supports Native kids, you know, in STEM, one of the reasons why I'm studying like civil engineering, like all the way here, um, they offered this Alaska Native Studies class. And so it was taught by um, this amazing professor. Um, her name is Maria and she's Clinkett, but she she is absolutely amazing. But she taught a class, um, you know, during like my freshman year. Um, and we were just learning about, you know, events that, you know, we never heard about um, when we were in middle school and like the beginning of high school. And so, um, she introduced us to like really great scholarly works and I was just really surprised because I was like these are this is something we definitely need to learn in secondary education and the fact that we were being introduced to this content like at 15 16 you know that age range it's not okay especially when it's like your own history we learned about how you know um, the Inuit in Greenland literally revolutionized um, an entire country through like music and incorporating language and that that's something kids should learn about. So um, it was then like when I was learning and just like having those, you know, conversations with the, uh, like obviously it's for native kids. So it was just a group, like a group of native kids learning this history. It was really cool. Like having conversation about things that you don't really talk about in your family, like generational trauma, historical trauma, all of those things. And it just felt very impactful. And I wanted to I want other Native kids to have that experience. So that's kind of what I did um, during like my senior year in high school at um, service. I created a Native-centric curriculum and then taught it to, I guess, like two different set of populations for like research purposes, like an all-white classroom and then like an all-Native classroom at the Alaska Native Heritage Center and seeing just how impactful that was, not, not only just for like the Native kids, but even for non-Native kids was phenomenal. And so... Yeah, that's kind of how I started getting into it. And then like, I finally manifested that, like, you know, my senior year of high school and, you know, it worked pretty well. Honestly, it's insane that we're entering, like we're in college because I feel like we were robbed of, you know, a couple, a year and a half of school because of, you know, the pandemic, it's been really scary. But entering my third year here, we continue to do work back in Anchorage. So we have a youth group called Youth for Change and we just pretty much, we just continue to create anti-racist curriculum uh, with StoryWorks Alaska that like centers like black and native voices, especially we talk about the rise in Asian American violence. We talk about 
we just want to make sure that the history being taught doesn't just, you know, isn't just for you. We know the white kids, which is like such the norm just across the country. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing now, but like that's how I like got into like the work of like education and indigenizing and just ensuring that like native voices, especially native kids feel seen in what is being taught to them. Yeah, that was a long answer. I'm so sorry. But... <laughs> that was great. That was great. Yeah, we're just like native kids in a colonial world and it can be very hard. Mm-hmm. And that's why we need to like destruct those practices and just indigenize education, like you said. And so we need to rebuild school systems that support all students, staff and teachers, where whatever, whoever they may be. Yeah. And how would the indigenizing of education like if it was in all school districts in Alaska, how would that impact Native kids? With the research that like I found was that Native kids just felt more motivated to graduate. So I forgot to mention that, but there's a crisis like in terms of graduating high school. Graduating high school is such a big accomplishment, but you have to overcome so many barriers just to even, you know, graduate. And so if history was taught in a way that centered, you know, Native voices and was critical of like the U.S. government and you know talked about the atrocities that happened something good is going to come out of it native kids are going to be more inspired I feel like especially like now so many people just push native kids to like go into STEM or like you have to go to college for the next four years but what if we can reimagine that and think especially in history think about how you know native kids can pursue film or the arts or just other forms just giving them the ability to dream beyond what we're told to be that's what we all need to do. And when you teach a history like that, that's what it does. It gives Native kids the ability to dream beyond, you know, what people told us to be, beyond the, the colonial contract, beyond all of these things, because things can be very, like, despairing at times, or, like, just, you know, I don't even know the right word, but I think you know what I mean, but it can be very just overwhelming some, at times. So really thinking about how we can just get rid of those barriers so that Native kids have the ability to to just dream, like really, really dream and like become filmmakers or artists or painters or dancers or um, storytellers. Like it'd be really cool to see because honestly, every, I think every Native kid is talented. Like and, and any kid that I've like come into contact with, especially like my younger siblings, like I'm really excited to see what they all do in the future. But that, if we see history like indigenized across the state, even just across the country, it's gonna be a, it, there's gonna be a phenomenal outcome from that. Yeah, and in this article you wrote, you said if Native kids felt their required classes were culturally relevant and inclusive of the Indigenous perspective, then we would be engaged, more engaged with our education. And I really mm-hmm. like that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How did you, in, like how did you indigenize education? What kind of history and stories did you put in the, the curriculum? Because you already mentioned one about the Inuit. Yeah, so revolutionizing through music, like using that as a means of liberation in communities. Um, in the curriculum that I made, I talk about like the Unangan people and like just the atrocities that happened during World War II, especially. A lot of people don't understand this, but like when World War II happened in Alaska, Native people were heavily involved. We had Native kids, you know, who were put into internment camps, you know, when, you know, the U.S. 
implemented those during, you know, after Pearl Harbor. So really thinking about, because a lot of people, when we have conversation about war, they're like, oh, like, mm, especially non-natives, like, oh, it didn't affect like anyone here. Like everyone on the mainland was fine, but definitely affected kids here in Alaska. Talked about Elizabeth Paradovich. I feel like that's just the person everyone should know. Talked about the segregation that native people faced. Really talked about, also just talked about like, the result because like the thing about the thing about when you teach native history is that it's like you can't just focus on the atrocities that have happened but really talk about the accomplishments that native people have done um over the past like years so when we have when, when there is alaska history they teach you about like the economy and like you know the tents that came in anchorage blah 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 like i'm like i don't care about that like it's really really important to focus on like how we gained indigenous sovereignty you know the corporations um, really going into that so kids understand like how that works and how we navigate that. Um, talked about ANMC, you know, this things that like you, you know we both know. Um, but we also talked about you know the residential boarding school era, and so it was pretty bad in Alaska. We talked about missionization. We talked about the effects of religion on Native kids. We talked about historical trauma, and one thing that it's hard to like navigate conversations with that, especially like when you're a native student yourself so it's like it's a very sensitive topic but it's definitely something that needs to be like discussed and so we also talked about just like cycles um of violence that continue so you know when religion did hit it started this period of time like where um our elders pretended as if nothing happened like that was a coping mechanism to just cope with the atrocities and trauma just colonialism overall but especially like missionization and boarding schools and just like white folks coming into our communities using like the word of God to tell us like it's not okay to be native so helping folks understand like how that creates you know cycles of trauma and how like that's one of the reasons why we see so many issues like in our communities but also why like we're one of the most resilient groups of people in the world so yeah that's kind of like what the curriculum uh focused and Focus, focused on the topics that we talked about. Yeah, that's good. And um, I think it's important for schools to implement healing and empowerment and, yes. connection, and connections to place because those kind of conversations can be very hard. So sometimes you just need some healing involved. Like you said, talking about the empowering stuff too, like how we're Native successful. And that can be very empowering and the healing too to hear and just education should value cultural heritage and place-based knowledge because that's just how native people are we're very connected to our the places we're at right couldn't have said any better are there any like misconceptions you've heard about native people in school or Mm. just like in your education yeah the way that people think that like college is free for us or um we're somehow susceptible to like alcohol things like that or equating you know our people with houselessness um those are things that I've heard and um even like being told that I only got into this school because of my indigeneity which is I'm like okay um so it's like there's so many it's just like the, the, the double standard of things um having people like it wasn't just me who experienced but I feel like a lot of native kids 
who just go to school experience that um, people, you know, doubting someone's intelligence because of their indigeneity. Um, those are things that, that I've kind of experienced and kind of the misconceptions that I've had to face. And like, even now, like I turned 20 this past summer and these are things that I still hear. Like my brother, he's like 12, tells me about things that happened even when he's in middle school. And these are things that are still happening to native kids. So. Yeah, those are some of the just misconceptions that I've faced, you know, growing up. Even here, like Native women are really like fetishized. So even like being like a Native woman, like in that realm too, it's just not okay. So yeah, those are definitely, you know, some of the misconceptions that I've faced these past few years. Yeah. And it's like people of color can't get into good schools on their own merit. It's, it's like, people have to assume that it was handed to them. Right. But really, we're just like intelligent people. <laughs> we're pretty exceptional. So, you know, we've had to be, but. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else you want to add? Not really. Just super, ex- thank, thank you again for this. And also super proud of you. It sounds like you do really amazing work as well. And I hope the rest of the semester at UAF goes good for you. Thank you. Yeah. Enjoy Columbia and New York. We just met with Charity Rapati. She's going to school in New York at Columbia University. We talked about her work in indigenizing education and the work she continues to do in building Native-centric curriculum. It sounds like she's doing great things. You can listen to previous episodes of The Urban Anti-Show on theurbanantishow.com, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening today and have a great rest of your day.